0: Hey, Coach Lori here. If you have ever thought about doing a podcast, I have got great news for you. September 11, 12, and 13, I am running a free three-day challenge to answer all your questions, to help you get clear, to see if podcasting is for you. I'd love to see you there. Click the link below if you'd like to join a free three-day podcast class.
1: I'm figuring that out now and so and maybe that's part of my motivation at 60 years old. Well, what does that mean and what do I get to do with that and I'm only going to get this one chance I think so that's just in tune with that living a life of yes and leaving room in my life for opportunities that present themselves. Has your life, your dreams been interrupted? Good news. It is possible to reinvent our lives.
0: People are doing it every day. And some are brave enough to share the struggles, disappointments, and challenges. If you are looking for a new beginning, a do-over, or to rediscover your passion, maybe even find a new one, then grab a cup of coffee and let's talk. Interrupted, Act 2, Reinventing Your Legacy, with your host, Coach Lori. Paige Ward is an actor, a television spokesperson, and a realtor. Welcome. Thanks for having me. We were just reminiscing when we first met was in the beginning of COVID when nobody knew what to do.
1: So we met with our masks on. Yeah, outside on the street, sitting on a random bench, six feet apart. <laughs> we always start with what is so great about your life. And it,
0: just recently, I feel like I'm liking something on your page almost every day because you you've got new grandkids, you're going places, doing things.
1: So tell us about your wonderful life. Yeah, well, it's was a long time coming, but I think traveling a lot lately. We're planning another trip to Italy this fall. I just got back from a quick trip down to San Antonio to see my son who was there for a few months for his work. And now he's back in Italy. Celebrated my 60th birthday in a really big way with my husband and another dear friend of mine. And we're all only two weeks apart, all turning 60. So we did it upright and had a huge weekend bash with family and friends. And we'll never have a party like that again, I don't believe. I mean, it was crazy and fun and filled with love. That's amazing. And the fact that you're six, you so don't look it. Aging
0: is what we do, and we want to do right. it gracefully. but you look amazing. Tell yeah. us about all the different things that you're doing.
1: I've been the spokesperson for Bothell Furniture for the last, I think it's four years. You'll see me. You might hear my voice, welcome to Bothell Furniture. <laughs> so that's me. And then also for Builder's Service Company. I do some on-camera coaching, which I really enjoy. Some folks that are doing different, maybe it's YouTube videos or educational videos, videos or sales videos, I go on site to where they're comfortable at and teach on camera. So that's another little thing I do on the side. And then of course there's real estate, which I just love. In fact, I was just wrapping up a transaction before I signed on. There's something really, really special about helping people either buy or sell their homes. It's such a major, major life happening and I get to be a part of that. It's really fun. Plus it's flexible so that I can do the other things. And I feel like I finally found a really nice balance for what I love to do and leave room for possibilities that present themselves. When we
0: think about aging in our 60s, a lot of people aren't thinking about possibilities. They're feeling like they've missed it all or there's nothing else going to come their way. And that's why I was so excited when You agreed to this interview because you are so open to whatever's next.
1: My husband and I met at a later age. We were 48 and it was my first experience in online dating. In fact, he was the first guy I actually went out with. That's another whole story. But I really feel that I wasn't even getting started until I was 48 years old because of various things in my past or bad marriages or not able to be myself and figure out what that was and spending a lifetime as I'm sure you're familiar with of living a life where you're trying to be everything for everyone else. I finally got to a point in my life where I got to realize I mattered and to get to pursue some interest that I had. It's been really wonderful. I mean, I feel like 60? Yeah, well, I don't know what that's supposed to feel like or look like, but I feel, again, like I'm just picking up speed, and I'm super excited about that. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but 12 years ago when my husband and I started dating, we made the very conscientious choice to live a life of yes. I had lived 48 years of no, oftentimes, from outside sources to be able to live a life of yes. And that even means saying yes to yourself. Not looking to that from others, but to say yes to yourself and however that applies to your life and let yourself do that. And it's pretty exciting what happens. You never know. Did you start your acting and TV stuff later in life as well? (laughs) I started it many, many years ago. I went to broadcasting school in Seattle. Loved it. I interned at a couple radio stations. Was going in that direction. Super excited. Honestly, at that time, I wanted to be a DJ for the local big country station and work with a specific DJ they had at the time. It was Ichabod, wasn't it? (laughs) Yes! On KMPS. I loved him. I loved everything about the kindness and the fun. I wanted to be a part of that and was just really going in that direction and having a ball. And unfortunately, at the time, my ex, number one, had said, well, I don't want you to do that because you're not going to be available for our daughter and I'll make it uncomfortable for you should you decide to pursue that. So I kind of put that on the back burner and then kind of started doing some work. I went on a set while I was there as an extra during the time I was going to broadcasting school, went back a few more times on a series that was being shot in Seattle, met an agent, signed on with an agent, took a lot of classes, and just kind of one thing led to another to another over the years until second marriage. I was going to be doing a commercial for a certain mop and um, that was coming out on the market and it was a demo. My only payment was gonna be like this free mom. So my ex was like, no, you're not going to do that. You're not going to spend all that money to get there and take that time and pay a babysitter. No, no, no. Again, remember that. For one of the first times in my life, I really held my ground and said, no, I'm going to do it. I went and shot it, got back. And a few weeks later, got a phone call saying that it had been picked up national, ended up getting residuals, qualified me for over the years for SAG and AFTRA, made over $5,000. My ex never said no again to anytime I wanted to go on audition or get opportunities to do something. But that said, with family and raising kids and everything, there were some limitations there. And even being in this area, there were some limitations. I keep my toes in the water, so to speak, all of these years. Now that my kids are all grown and gone, and I am married to somebody who's extraordinarily supportive, it's an incredible thing that for the first time in my life, I'm realizing that I get to be me and I get to just be. I'm figuring that out now. And so, and maybe that's part of my motivation at 60 years old. Well, what does that mean? And what do I get to do with that? And I'm only going to get this one chance, I think. So that's just in tune with that living a life of yes and leaving room in my life for opportunities that present themselves because... How will you know if you don't try?
0: I love that you're living a life of yes. I also love that you brought up Ichabod because anybody that grew up in this area knows of him. I actually had met him a few times in person, but like, who was I? But I met him at a church. Actually, a friend of mine was sharing their testimony. So he's up front talking to this guy for the longest time. And I'm like, looking, I'm like, that's Ichabod. I know that's Ichabod. So I waited and the man walked by and I go, Ichabod? And he looks at me and he goes, do I know you? And I go, no, but I know you. And we just had the best talk. Ichabod is the real deal. He is a person of integrity
1: and just he is who he portrays himself to be. I wanted him to be my mentor. I mean, that was my inspiration for going into radio or wanting to and pursuing that unfortunately cut off short at that time in my life But it's really funny because over time now, it's a real full circle thing because I actually, I had lost touch with my instructor at broadcasting school. It was Mark Christopher at the time as KBSG, 97.3, the oldies, right? I worked with him mornings at warm. Another sweet man. Ten years ago, we reconnected, which was wonderful. And he and I stay in touch. Another friend of mine, Marina, from another station who is currently also still on air. And it's just been a really beautiful thing because I feel like these are my people and these are the people that, somehow 20 30 years later i still ended up in the same circles to me it's like wow it's amazing what you attract certain energies even if you're not doing that or it's just incredible to me and i'm i'm delighted and to me you and there was just something about you that i was really like oh i have to know her
0: i love that as you referred to there was a time before your yes that was no can you kind of take us there and tell us and take us back
1: to no Well, going back as far as my childhood, with my mom, things were a yes. She was wonderful and supportive, and my dad wasn't a big part of our lives, but I learned at a young age through childhood sexual trauma, no meant don't say anything. Keep a secret. And if you didn't, that was going to cause problems, and then it would be all my fault. So you learn your brain is conditioned at a very young age that what you're feeling and thinking may not be valid, or if they are, you don't say anything out of thoughtfulness and consideration for others, right? And that's a fear, very deep rooted. And so there was my no without it being a direct no as I got older and I was always involved in things. I wanted to try everything, it's just my personality opportunities present themselves? Sure. I would do crazy things, playing certain instruments when a song required one one thing for something or being in drill team and cheer. Well, I love drill team because you got to dance. What? You need a drum major? I'll try that. Sure. What? Yeah. As a result, unfortunately, my childhood, what I really, I think, craved the most was security and stability. I was attracted to men who I thought would provide that Unfortunately, hidden underneath was a pretty strong narcissistic streak, but I didn't even know what that was. I didn't know that you could be intentionally mean or manipulative to another person. I didn't know. For example, in that first marriage, it was, I was thinking for a time about being a massage therapist. I loved the peacefulness and the calmness of that, and it was absolutely not, you're not going to do this or that, la la la. A lot of isolation from family and friends, until finally, after a few years that marriage ended, found myself in another similar situation different but similar, where I wasn't really allowed like, to nurture friendships because going out to coffee on a Saturday with a friend was selfish to spend the money on that or the time away. And it's just all those subliminal messages constantly, they have a toll on you, and you find that it's easier to not try anymore because – the answer will always be no. And it wasn't an always an obvious no, but there was the understanding it was no. Whereas now, when I had gotten another divorce, I thought, gosh, I don't have a lot of baggage and I'm not crazy and not like, but the common denominator here is me. What do I need to do to change things? because I, for some reason, I'm attracting people that tend to want to take advantage of me, and I know I have so much more to offer. I made a really conscientious effort to change the way that I looked at relationships, at love, and to figure out the difference between what do I need and what do I want, and understanding that there's a huge difference. Because if you're not getting what you need, you're going to find different ways to fill that void. When I was able to finally figure that out and kind of prioritize what I needed in my life, even if it made me a little uncomfortable, then I felt like I could recognize it if I saw it. And I started it on my own. I didn't necessarily intend to be in another relationship again. I didn't need to be. It wasn't what I was looking for. I just wanted to be able to go out on dates and meet new people and have fun. And again, remember, by this time, it was my late 40s. Just happened to meet somebody that was the most wonderful man I've ever known. And it's never been anything but. But it took a while to get used to that because I didn't know what that looked like. Throughout my life, for something good to happen, there was always a price to pay. There was always going to be that trade-off. And I think we as women for many, many years have all experienced that to some degree, whether it's at work, at home. It took me a long time to get used to the fact that I was loved simply for me and that there was no price to pay. Yes was big for us.
0: A couple times you've referred to how intentional you were about thinking different because I, I've been in those situations where I'm like the common denominator is me. So then I've had to do some work. So can you talk about maybe what the process was for you?
1: I always thought I was pretty okay. I was good. The thought occurred to me like I need to change. It's like, well, wait a minute. I don't need to change me I didn't change my personality, my inherent being of who I am. That's not what I need to change. It was about changing the way that I looked at things and looked at relationship and looked at love and looked at what I was willing to accept or not accept. A friend of mine, we had been talking about it and she was kind of giving me all these rules of what I had to do. And it just seemed like, oh, it's just, that's not me. That's not me. It seems... Almost, it's well-intentioned, but a little bit manipulative. I wasn't okay with that. I went on a date with a gentleman I'll call the coffee guy, because it was just one date. He doesn't even know this, and someday I've always said I'm going to tell him, because he really changed the trajectory for me and helped me kind of know what direction to go in. We're out on a coffee date, my divorce was almost final, but not quite. And he said, well, I'd love to see you again, so call me when your divorce is final. Great. So, and then he said, but in the meantime, there's this cool thing online, called Marriage Builders, it was 10 emotional needs that all adults have, all of us. It might be affection. It might be domestic help from a spouse around the house. It might be words of encouragement. But there are 10 different things, and the key there was that we all have them in different orders, and you had to figure out what that was. It's funny because you think, well, well, we just have to ask ourselves, well, how do you know what to ask if you don't know what questions to even begin with? I read these and I put things in the order, the 10 that I thought it was. And when I looked at that, it was an epiphany for me. What I realized I had done is what I had done all my life. And I put them in the order that I thought would be acceptable if others were to read that. And they would think that, oh, she has her priorities straight. Oh, that's nice. But I didn't feel right about it. And when I read the descriptions, it was like, well, if you like this, then maybe this isn't good for you. Or maybe this isn't a high priority. So I went back and I changed it. And it was a little uncomfortable. So I changed the order of my 10 emotional needs and I was happy with that. And I had written them down on a little three by five index card, which was on my refrigerator for years. 12 years later, I still have that little index card because that changed everything for me. And when I started dating again, I knew what to look for. That was how it helped me. Never did go out on that second date with a coffee guy, lovely man, and I'll be forever grateful, but it led me in the direction that I needed to be to where I am now.
0: cash click the affiliate link. And so when you think about the work that you had to do, I'm always curious, was it like a one-time thing, is it
1: a daily thing? Yeah, the word soul searching. I hope it doesn't sound like too much of a cliche, but it wasn't searching for my soul so much because I knew it was there and I knew there wasn't anything wrong with me in spite of what some exes had told me. Or, but I don't understand why am I feeling this because I know I'm a good person. The thing that I had to change initially was that to figure out what those emotional needs were and then then knowing that and i had that tangible evidence in front of me on that little index card and then it was okay so what does that look like because i didn't know before to look for that that was super helpful and then it was just kind of a subconscious thing for me personally it wasn't journaling every day that's not personally something i enjoy i've tried it (laughs) it's just not my thing love to write don't like to journal that wasn't it for me and i know that's super awesome for some people but it was really starting to reach out where i had to work out was reaching out and forming friendships i had to figure out what my boundaries were because if you don't know what your boundaries are how are you going to know if somebody has pushed you beyond them so i had to figure out what my boundaries were and then to learn how to be okay stating those if necessary or at least recognizing them, being comfortable saying, I'm not comfortable with that. It was just those little things all the time. I didn't have to change me. I just had to change some of my behaviors when it came to really most specifically relationships, whether it was friendships or dating or family. Boundaries is a big issue because it's really easy to just let them slide. The lovely thing about learning that is that was something I was able to share with my kids growing up too, really enforced that so that they would know that it was okay to have boundaries.
0: When you talked about childhood sexual trauma, I thought it was interesting you said that because a lot of people don't recognize it as trauma. So Mm -hmm. were you able to get help
1: right away or what happened with that? Well, without going into too much detail, and Lori, I'll send you a letter. I wrote a letter, and this was a big part of my healing that I wrote a few years ago. It was The beginning of COVID, my husband and I owned a salon and spa. Again, he was so encouraging. When we met and started dating, I managed it, the opportunity presented itself to to purchase this business. And of course, yes, let's do this. So I did. I had been there 14 years. I just sold the salon. I had reached the end of my obligations for different boards I was sitting on and different responsive advisory boards and chamber of commerce. I was like, okay, I'm gonna finish up my terms of all of these things. I'm going to really focus on this new real estate career and continue with my acting and, and hostessing. COVID hit. Right about that time, my youngest daughter was moving out and I'd had kids for 30 years in my home. In the meantime, I was also uh, heavily in the middle of menopause and going through that. <laughs> career change, empty nest menopause and then covid where everything just stopped and prior to that i was so busy all the time that i didn't have time to really tend to my own trauma and for me to even say that and for me to say today out loud to you that took a long time for me to be able to do and i will say it was the me too movement that gave me a lot of strength because there were a lot of people speaking up about this and i realized i wasn't alone and it was sadly much more prevalent than what we had always thought or dared to think. I have a friend, one of my dear friends who is a psychologist and I just talked to her and I did a couple sessions with her over Zoom because of course, you know, we couldn't really see each other at that time. It was a few sessions of that. It was a of, of kind of getting into that. And again, by this time I was in my late forties. So no, I didn't deal with it initially. You didn't back then. You didn't. You would just sweep it under the rug, ignore it, move on. But it never went away. So it was always there. And I, I wrote this letter and it was just me thinking out loud what had happened to me and what the effect of that was and how that affected my life in the past, in the present, and how it will affect my life in the future. And it was super healing for me. It was to the person that my abuser, I don't know if they'll ever read it or not, I never gave it to them, doesn't matter. But what's super cool, my husband and I sat down, I'm gonna share it with him first, and then I shared it with all of my young adult children. And I felt it was really important because it gave them insight into who I was, where I came from, why I am, who I am, which is to say a very powerful, thoughtful, kind, loving, fierce woman who just wants the best for my kids. I will encourage and support them and love them unconditionally and keep them safe. It was so touching to share that with them. And little by little over the years, I've been a little bit more comfortable getting to talk about that and saying it and being matter of fact about it. The statistic is it takes
0: 26 years for a child to tell. On the other side of that is the freedom. That comes when we finally are able to share and we realize it isn't the end of the world because it
1: honestly feels like it will be. Oh, for sure. It's embarrassing. Is there a stigma? Is there? I love that you had said freedom because that absolutely was it lifts a weight off of your soul. I think over the years, there were times I would see that it, it happened more often than we think just based on other women, especially sharing. Things with me, and yet I still didn't share my experience. But I knew these things had happened to other people. That Me Too movement—that was kind of the the turning point for me. And that time when COVID hit, to just kind of sit in myself and think, okay, well, what do I do with this? And there's no time like the present to to deal with this. I hope that anybody out there that is struggling with that knows that they're not alone, you will be free when you can deal with that. And when
0: you can tell your story as hard as it is, find somebody safe first that's going to say, I believe you, Yeah. whether it's a counselor or somebody that you trust. Second of all, for me, all those things I thought would come up. I remember hearing a male podcaster that's quite famous say he didn't want to tell anyone about what happened to him as a kid. He thought he'd lose his whole audience. Well, what happened is people came out of the woodwork. And it is more prevalent than we know or want to believe. I feel,
1: Lori, that a big part of the fear too, was that once you say that, then that defines you. And it does not define me. That is a part of this incredible tapestry of my life. And I have an incredible life. And that was just a part of it. And we all have icky, ugly parts of our lives and things we would maybe do different and things we wouldn't. Everything that happened until today, I would do over again, if it meant that I got to be where I am now. And it's okay, and I'm grateful.
0: What were some of the challenges that you faced and how you overcame them?
1: I was a single mom at one point when my oldest daughter, who's 35 now, when she was about four, when I was in broadcasting school. And this isn't one of those situations where you do what you need to do to get to where you want to be. And I was working full-time out at military base, So it was 40 hours a week. And then I was going to Seattle twice a week on the ferry, getting on the ferry, going to Seattle twice a week to go to my broadcasting school for a few hours. Plus I was interning at two different radio stations, one in downtown Seattle and one in Kitsap County. I would get on the ferry on my way back from Seattle. I'd been up at about 4.30 in the morning to go to work. I'd head straight to the ferry. I'd drop my daughter off. My sister would watch her. By the time I was done, it was like an 11.30 ferry. I would pull back into town at about 12.30 at night and I'd have to get up again four hours later And I would have a blanket and a pillow on the ferry. But I didn't mind. It was invigorating because I was going in a direction that I wanted to be going in. And I didn't know exactly how that was going to end up or what that was going to look like, but I knew it was the right direction. It was fun. That wasn't going to be my life forever. I couldn't have done that without the support of my sister that watched my daughter. Years later, another situation where I became a single mom again. And by this time, my oldest daughter was out of the house, but my two youngest kids were 11 and 13 at the time. And here's just a real silver lining in that I needed to move out of their school district to be closer to my work, but I had told them, and they'd already been through enough change, they would never have to switch schools. And if I had to drive them every day until they graduated from high school, I would do that. An incredible blessing came out of that in that for a half an hour in the morning and a half an hour in the afternoon, five days a week, I had my kids in my car, no phones allowed, and it was just time to talk talk. And we had the most incredible conversations. And any mom knows, if you were to say to your teenager, let's just sit down for a half an hour or an hour and just talk, you're probably going to get the eye roll and, you know, and the mumbles and it's like, but cumulatively throughout every week for years, I had between four to five hours every week, no distractions that I got to have incredible conversations with my kids. That absolutely had an impact on their lives and their ability to think for themselves. Again, it was just kind of a something that I didn't see as really rewarding at that time. I had even gone to cosmetology school because I needed to know I could go out and get a job that day that would pay well. Whatever happened in my life that I would have a trade to fall back on so that I could support my kids. I remember years ago living in a a little three bedroom duplex for a $1,000 a month. I felt so proud of myself because it was like I could support my kids and I knew I was going to be okay and that they were going to be okay. We weren't living in a cardboard box. We were doing all right. As long as I could support my kids, I knew I'd be okay. Absolutely priceless which is another thing i do again. I knew what all their friends were doing in a good way. I mean, I I can't even tell you how many kids to this day still call me mom. That just makes my heart happy. If you're thinking about travel, because that is something that is near and dear to me and something that was no for many years, those 48 years. My husband and I decided we were gonna travel. In fact, before I even met my husband, when I went through divorce, my friends got me luggage for my birthday. In fact, you might be able to see these little travel posters behind me. That was one of my birthday gifts all those years ago because I was gonna go places. I didn't know where and I didn't know when, but I knew I was going. And my husband and I started dating, I got a passport. So if you wanna travel and you don't have a passport, get one because if you don't, you're guaranteeing yourself you're not gonna to get to go to some of those places that are on your bucket list. But as long as you have that passport, you have a ticket to the world. That's the biggest step you can make if that's something that you wanna do. Those things that you always thought about doing, try. I recently started playing the drums at 59 years old playing the drums. I didn't even know if I had an aptitude. I ended up taking a lesson, didn't have any drums. My daughter found this full set for $200 at Goodwill two days before my first lesson, had some lessons, posted something about how fun this is. One of my clients said, we need to talk. Apparently she'd been taking bass lessons. We now have a five woman band, all women in their fifties and sixties. We call ourselves the granny panties. It's just about having fun and trying new things. And we're not great, but that's not the point we're having fun and we get together once a week and practice. Whatever it is you're thinking about doing or want to try or you always wanted to, just try. Go in that direction. You don't have to have an end game. Just go in that direction and trust your gut because you know, you know. I love that. So my next question was, what do you really want people to know? But I think that was it. Allow yourself comfort in being yourself. No one's perfect. So just be yourself. Be comfortable with who that is, and who you want to be, and the direction you want to go in, and then go. Last question, what are you reading? Do you know what? I do love to listen to things on Spotify because I can multitask. Why waste 45 minutes putting my makeup on, looking in a mirror when I can actually listen and educate myself? So favorite podcast. Oh, Lori, talk about putting me in between a rock and a hard place. I love you, of course. (laughs) Honestly, my two of my favorites are Probably number one armchair expert with Dax Shepard and Monica Padman. I love that. I've been listening for years. I love uh, the podcast Smartless. That is hilarious. It's got Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes, and Will Arnett. Whether it's reading or listening, to educate, to motivate, to inspire, inevitably, I get something out of it. Michelle Obama, I love her books green lights Matthew McConaughey I just finished that one loved it this was so fun it was so great to connect with you I thank you for the opportunity I just feel like every day Lori life just gets better and better and better
0: have you heard If not now when If not you then who are you being prompted to write a book to create a podcast, check out Leaving a Legacy at That's coach www.coachlaurie.com. And let's get started on your second act now. If you have ever thought about doing a podcast, I have got great news for you. September 11, 12, and 13, I am running a free three-day challenge to answer all your questions, to help you get clear, to see if podcasting is for you. I'd love to see you there. Click the link below if you'd like to join a free three-day podcast class. Three things we learned from Paige. Try new things, tell your story, get that passport. If you love this podcast,